This episode of Recovery is Possible is brought to you by Retreat Behavioral Health, where there are endless possibilities for recovery. Retreat provides quality care at their leading mental health and substance use treatment centers, which are designed to offer patients truly personalized and comprehensive programs that are tailored to their needs. Retreat Substance Use and Mental Health Treatment Centers in Palm Beach County, Florida, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and New Haven, Connecticut do everything in their power to ensure that patients receive the highest quality treatment in a safe and comfortable setting. So reach out today at RetreatBehavioralHealth.com or call at 855-802-6600 for more information. everybody. This is Mike Van Meter and welcome to Recovery is Possible. Thanks again for joining me as we talk about all things recovery and mental health. And this is going to be a fantastic episode and we're going to be talking about the role of government in reducing the stigma of addiction and mental health treatment and what government can do to help. And we're going to talk a bit about my run for the Virginia State Senate here and how uh, recovery issues for drugs and alcohol and mental health issues is a big part of my platform and what we can do uh, to combat this issue and the role of government. And I'm joined by my good friend, Aparna Sane, who has her own particular show that's called Mindful Nation. It's on WERA 96.7 twice a week here in Arlington, Virginia. And she interviewed me in this episode, and we are talking about stigma, mental health, addiction, and what we can do about it. And so I know you're going to enjoy this episode. So here it is. And this was uh, recorded last week. I believe it was August 15th of 2023. And again, this is my good friend, Aparna Singh. And welcome back to Mindful Nation Radio. I'm your host, Aparna, and we are delighted to have Mike Van Meter join us. Mike is also the producer of Recovery is Possible right here on this station right after this show. So he comes on at 1030. And welcome, Mike. Hi, thanks for having me on the show again. My pleasure. And we've done uh, quite a few of these uh, interviews together, and it's been pretty well received. Mike played one of our last shows on um, meditation, or actually recovery and spirituality at the Virginia Hospital in one of his classes. And uh, people really enjoyed it. So I'm glad that, you know, both of us, I think, are very passionate about the mental health piece. Yep. And that's uh, what makes this so rewarding, right? Because not only do we enjoy it and it's a lot of fun to be here in the station, but we actually want to bring a lot of visibility and hopefully some really constructive um suggestions, things, and activities towards uh, bringing light to the mental health crisis, but as well as coming up with some real funding, some real actions that we can be taking from a political level. So I am so excited, Mike, that you are running for Senate. Um, we would I think it would be great to have someone in a high office like that uh, who is the champion for mental health, making sure that we're actually executing on a lot of these projects that are getting funding now. So mental health has been really well funded over the last at least two, three years uh, post-COVID in, um, for, at a national level and I'm sure at a statewide level too. 
But we want to make sure that these things are actually creating some impact. People who need the support are getting it. And also, one of my big things is to just remove the stigma associated with being able to talk about mental health openly. I think there are a lot of things we can do to impact that crisis. Yeah, absolutely. And that is not the only reason, certainly, that I decided to run for office, but it is one of the main reasons. And because, as I mentioned, um, on we, we did an intro on a Facebook Live uh, that we have going on right now, which is the first time we've done that. But in the introduction, you know, I, I talked about um, how how important this is and it's one of the main reasons why i decided to run for office because uh, let me back up a little bit because you know with my own personal experience in recovery and then now being on this end of it meaning i i work in the industry and it is an industry there's a business side to to recovery and and healthcare in, in general and that that's just reality but i've been on b- both sides and you know is a real eye-opening experience you know when i uh went into recovery and then it was an even bigger eye-opening experience when i got into the working side of it and it's fraught with a lot of problems number one uh when i went into recovery myself i with my background you know being military law enforcement the intel community uh, those types of things i felt like um there were people that didn't really understand me didn't really understand my background we spend a lot of time talking about cultural awareness um in in the recovery world and that means a lot of things and and when people think of uh, cultural competence that a lot of times they're talking about you know the lgbt community the african-american community the asian community whatever but people forget that the military and law enforcement is also a culture, and right. there are very few counselors that, that understand that. And so that's what motivated me to go in was I felt like there was that gap, and uh, and I thought that I would be able to fill that gap, so I did that. But now on the end that I'm at now, which is the actual doing of, of the job, I'm starting to see a lot of areas uh, of improvement and funding, lack of funding, or we have funding and it's not being appropriately spent or it's being misused or it's being wasted or it's not being done effectively because really the this whole approach that we have towards recovery um by and large has not changed the models the modeling for example the 28-day model for for your treatment it's been around for a very very long time but nobody has really sat down and said you know is that effective can we do better is there a better model how can we sort of revolutionize uh recovery and that's something that i'm very interested and it's a passion of mine it's a passion of yours i know that it is but the problem that we have and it's no fault of people in the legislature or any of our uh, governors or you know anybody at the national level but we don't have a lot of people the policymakers, the the legislators if you think about it there aren't many people i may be the only one going into the virginia state legislature that has a personal experience in recovery I, that may not be true i'm, I'm well, there are that so, many i don't know yeah, yeah. no and i i think that you know it's funny you say that because i think this is one of those cases where a lot of people who are not in recovery not because they don't need it but because um they just don't know that they need it 
True. Right. So True. there's a lot of yeah. social drinking happening. It's a very high stress job to work on the hill, and because I, mm-hmm. I used to teach mindfulness at the Capitol itself. Oh, right. Okay. So yeah, I used to teach meditation. So it was like a short and one hour session. And when I first moved here, and this was before the pandemic. Now I'm not saying. And one of the things I noticed, and I've worked at the State Department. And one of the things I noticed is that people wait till like you know like most jobs where people waiting till four or five o'clock in the evening to get happy and then when they get happy they are like drinking bringing out all their good alcohol that they've brought from all over the world and people are drinking and so forth and so a lot of times you know people use it as a coping mechanism Mm -hmm. the alcohol and they think it's oh it's social it's fun it's social and we're we're just gonna that's what it is but it's being used used sometimes to its limits I would say Mm -hmm. so sometimes people don't know they need to be in recovery and they are um, they find themselves uh, or people around them think they need to be in recovery but they don't know it so Mm -hmm. the recovering person is usually like you say is the last to know yeah that is true that is true and what happens is uh, I, and I talk to the patients a lot about this, where they they say, you know, I don't I don't need to be here because oftentimes when you end up in a treatment center, you're not there because you want to be there. You're you're there because someone else has pressured you to be there. You developed a, a back problem, mm. and and that meaning that you've got somebody on your back and mm. you want to fix your back, but you want them off your back. So all right, if I go to detox, if I go to treatment, if I uh, go into a pro- if I go to a see a therapist or a counselor, then that'll get you off my back, and that will fix my back problem and say they they don't realize that it's a problem we always say in recovery that the last person to know that you need to be in recovery is you it's always because remember we and we've talked about this before how addiction is a disease of the mind and the body the mind it's as much a disease of the mind as it is the body and it's the only disease that tells you that you don't have it and then even when you do admit it you minimize it and that's why we use terms like uh, I'm a functional alcoholic those are those are two terms that should never be used in the same sentence at the same time mm. ever because there's and, no such thing yeah mm-hmm. it, it can be sometimes very sad i actually just had a friend of mine call me last week and her husband um died mm. and uh i he was a he was an alcoholic but he wasn't in recovery and so you know he went through most of his life that way he just wasn't it was not something he, going into recovery was not something he he thought he needed but he died walking outside of a bar drunk hit by a car oh wow so yeah. it's not it had like he needed the recovery he was always an alcoholic he never went to treatment and um, but you know but I want to kind of also step away from the recovery discussion and talk a little bit about how important um, this piece or not so much just recovery but mental health at by large mm-hmm. is very um, important in um in as a topic and as really an area that I think most politicians need to focus on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We really do, because as I mentioned in the beginning, this is a major, major health crisis. We just spent, what, the last two, three years uh, really focused on COVID. And I'm not yes. downplaying COVID. COVID was a very serious thing. A lot of people have been harmed or continued to be harmed and died from it. But when you look at a sheer numbers, the sheer numbers, uh, addiction, 
far exceeds the number of deaths uh, that, that we had with COVID. But yet we yeah. never talk about it. We yeah. never we don't really we don't emphasize it. We don't push it. And in fact, I would argue that we do things um, that kind of count, counter um, indicate that this is a problem. For example, the legalization of marijuana. And we mm. we could do whole episodes on, on that. And in, in my opinion of going in, in that direction. But uh, the the legalization of marijuana has more to do with the political. Remember, there's science, and then there's political science, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're not the same thing. Um, there's you know the pseudoscience, and there you know the, this whole idea of people using uh, medical marijuana. And I'm not saying that there aren't people that can't benefit from it. Uh, but what's interesting is I'm I'm always you know it, it seems like every patient we get in treatment has a medical marijuana card, and you're looking at why, oh, why, wow. why are you are you dying from cancer or do you have dementia? Do you have the answer to that? Is no, but or you have a medical marijuana doing, card, you know? Yeah, or the CBD thing. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, people are taking those CBD pills, whether they have a sleep disorder or, or not. not. I mean, w- it's you, like a vitamin. If you if you are uh, if you are very very honest with yourself, very very few people are taking or smoking marijuana uh, using THC for the medical benefits. Let's let's be honest. You're trying to use it to alter your mood. Yes. Now, anyway, but those are issues that how how do we get to this place? It's because we don't have legislators that come at it from the perspective that I do and, and, and really understand addiction and understand that what we should be doing. And I do I do believe that it, it is incumbent upon the leaders of our nation, whether it's the president, the vice president, the Absolutely. governor, the state legislatures. We talked about this yesterday on the YouTube show that you had, and that is the number one purpose of government number one purpose of the government is the protection of the people and to educate the people and part of that is to explain to people the reality of what these things are for example addiction what is addiction the disease of addiction how does it work and we uh let people know about this for example Let's take marijuana, for example. And, and this is actually one of the things that I will push for in this legislature. Uh, people say, well, you know, Mike, alcohol is legal. Yeah, I understand that. You know, we tried to make it illegal at one point in this country during prohibition. It didn't work. I got that. I understand that. Cigarettes are the same way. I'm old enough to remember how cigarettes were everywhere when I grew up. In fact, you, if you went on an airplane, imagine that today on an airplane. Everybody's smoking on the airplane, and you're in that mm. tube. That's the way that it was, right? Wow. It's not that way now. What happens now? On if you have a bottle of beer, it, it says on the side of the the beer, "Hey, th- this is this could be problematic for you." On cigarettes, it absolutely says, "You know, you shouldn't be using this product because it it can cause cancer." Chewing tobacco the same way, but yet, what do we do with marijuana? We we only tout the medical benefits of it. Do you, do you oh, notice I that see. we never? Do you notice that? Like, if I went next door, there happens to be one of these places next door they're not going to i'm not going to go over there they're not going to tell me anything about the negative side effects or the negative effects of That's marijuana the they don't yeah. have you ever noticed that we don't do that it is only that Anymore, this is good for you because right now it's it's also We're a gonna money maker. well mm-hmm. it's a money maker that's why we do it Exactly. That's why we do it, because it makes money, not because it, it's in the best interest of the American public. Now, again, I if you're an adult, you right. can do adult things. I get that. But I'm just saying we as a government need to educate the public on the realities. If you want to smoke cigarettes, smoke cigarettes. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that by doing so is good for you because it is not.
Right. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I actually want to bring it back to your earlier point, because one of the things, uh, you know, I, I am not uh, I don't have any experience with recovery. I don't drink at all. But the the thing that I want to highlight is that there are softer skills and things that we can use to um elevate our mood without having to resort to marijuana or alcohol or yep. all these substances and one of the biggest ones is mindfulness so that is why I am so intrigued by this whole thing is because I think that uh, or I know from my personal experience that uh, meditation yoga mindfulness all these holistic things that a lot of times people in leadership positions so this is my beef with this mm-hmm. right is mm-hmm. like people in leadership positions who need who are in, that's high stress environment in politics is a high stress environment those are the people who need to embrace these types of softer skills or softer tools holistic tools to help them deal with their mood their stress their anxiety their burnout but those are the people that kind of push it down so this is one thing I'm seeing in the in either the corporates or even in politics. People are like, oh, yeah, they should do this. I'm going to make this available for my employees and then check it off my to-do list. Meanwhile, they never embrace it themselves. So they're not <laughs> true, doing the yeah. actual meditation. They're not actually sitting uh, or observing how they come across as a leader. How are they with their people? Mm-hmm. How do people perceive them? You know, that whole, in the 80s, there was what, Jack Welsh, who was the Thunder Jack. I used to work for GE. And he was the Thunder Jack, and he would, people would be scared of him when he walked the door because a lot of times he would walk in and he would fire the people who were, you know, in a, in a meeting or whatever if he didn't, you know, think they, or if they said the wrong thing. So there was fear-based leadership. Now that sounds like a that. living hell. Right, and so oh my God. people, you know, and but it, it, the companies did really well because somehow that was their weeding technique. I mean, the GE is a is a phenomenal organization, but um, you know, so the, that model is over, and now leaders, politicians, business leaders, are now being asked to s- embrace their humanness, the what I call the human side to them. So one of the things that we want to do in this show and through these interviews is bring out the human part of a politician or the leader. What is that? What are their practices? What are some of the things that and now and you'll see that in in a lot of uh, like movie stars and movie producers and a lot of them have been doing meditation mm-hmm. since forever. Like twenty year practice. Uh, Mark Benioff is the CEO of Salesforce, and I was surprised to hear he's been meditating for fifteen, sixteen years, or something like that. And he just now, you know, recently started talking about it publicly. But a lot of people have been doing these practices in in the background without sharing it, and now they are sharing it. And so, so I want to highlight the importance of some of these practices, and I want to highlight the importance of taking on a program like the twelve step recovery program Mm -hmm. or whatever but supporting ourselves in our growth to become better humans yeah i like that i like that a lot and i remember so we can relate this back to um, being a political leader again if you're a political leader you're a leader in the community and i remember when i when i was teaching at the fbi academy and um 
you you have to understand that in the recovery community, not everybody is okay with you being open about your mm-hmm. recovery outside of recovery groups. That's whole history and a lesson, and, and we can that's another discussion for another day. But it's a, to understand that that's not everybody's on board with that. And so I had been trained that way when I came into into recovery. And so when I was teaching at the FBI Academy, I would teach this course on addiction. And, and through the first few iterations, students came to me and they said, you're in recovery, aren't you? Because I would never openly say it, but it was kind of obvious. Mm. And they said, well, we don't really understand why you're not putting that out to us, but it's hurting you because you talk about recovery, you talk about brutal honesty, you talk about all these things, but you're not being honest with us. And so I, I was in this wow. real dilemma, right? Yeah. The like, so what do I do? Because I knew what the people in my recovery community were telling me, but I also had the reality of the students in front of me and the way that it works at the FBI Academy, particularly with a new course, um, you can get some bad reviews for, for a while, because I understand you're developing new material, that's that's going to happen. But you can't go too long with that. You know, mm-hmm. it has to straighten out. So I was like, okay, what do I do here? So I ended up um, telling my story. But really what it came down to is, in the people in my circle, I had a man say to me, he goes, okay, Mike, here's, because one of the dangers is, if you go out and you're very open about your recovery, like I'm doing right now, mm-hmm. right? Like what I'm doing right now. The danger of that is, what if you end up not in recovery after a while and his point was if you fall off the wagon you can create more damage than any of the good that you ever did right and so his point to me was if you're going to be that guy if you're going to be that guy then you better be that guy because you can harm yourself now the the reason why i mention that is i think that when it comes to our political leaders i agree with you do we really do we really look at our politicians as being leaders in Mm -hmm. the community I think the polling, if you look at the, the polling of uh, Congress, for example, right now, they poll very low, meaning people really don't have a lot of respect. Yes. for our, We don't look at them as leaders, right? A lot of people but, don't even know who their congressmen are. No, they don't. But even if you do, you really don't look at them as being an example Leader, of right. virtue or how to live their life or whatnot. And that's something that I want to do. And there's some other uh, candidates that uh, are running for the state legislature. For example, a good friend of mine, John McGuire, is uh, uh, in the state Senate. And he's running right now, uh, former Navy SEAL, a great, I mean, these are people that you can look to and say, that's an example. And how do we live, how do we live, like if we say that we we need to have more mindfulness, meditation, um, um, take care of yourself, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, are our leaders exhibiting that? And yes, that's what we, we call have to it ask the ourselves. conscious leaders. Yes. Yeah. And so, but yeah, and you know, and that should be a program in and itself, right? Yep. And uh, there are some programs out there, but I, I, I'm, I'm not sure about the quality or what's happening with all of that. But um, there is some funding towards that now to try and make that happen. I just don't think there's enough buy-off from the leaders themselves, right? Because people, when they get to these positions, somehow feel entitled. And when you feel entitled, you know, when you get into some of the programs where you learn more about yourself, you got to really humble yourself because that's the first thing that's going to happen mm-hmm. through a very deep inward journey is the humbling that Do takes you have place. humility. Yeah. To have humility. Mm-hmm. Recognize that there is something greater than yourself. Mm-hmm. That is, and if you're in a, and if you're in this, if, if I'm blessed to be able to serve the people of Virginia. Number one, do I look at it that way? Am I in that office? Yes. To, because to get into office, or am I in office to be a leader servant 
or a servant leader. Uh, or a how do I play. look at that? Yeah. Is it a power play or is it, are you really trying to be a leader? Are you really trying to help others? And I can tell you, my motivation is that I am not doing it for the money. If, if you've never run for office before, let me tell you something right now. If you do it because you think you're going to get money, I got, I got, this is costing, yeah, that is this is costing me a hell of a lot more than I will ever make uh, doing it. You are truly doing it because you feel that I hope you're, I hope you're doing it because you feel that it's the right thing to do you're doing it because you feel called and led to help people better themselves at least that's my motivation absolutely so well i I love that actually because that is how the agenda should be and a lot of people use those words but i'd love to see more and more leaders embody that so that's Mm -hmm. one of our uh, missions here or my mission is to really work with leaders to help them understand that whole process of what is their motivation. And the biggest piece, it's not even just the motivation because I feel that there are a lot of leaders who use the words, Mm -hmm. but I think it is the authenticity piece, right? So one thing I've discovered is when I first became a, a teacher of some of this content, I knew that I was having trouble being authentic with myself, Mm -hmm. right? There was a part of me that wanted to appear very corporate, very professional, and then the other part of me was going through this whole, um, you know, dark night of the soul and all this whole spiritual journey. Well, I wanted to, I had trouble where two sides of me were trying to come together in a very authentic way and present myself that way. And I will tell you, even people who've never meditated before or other people, people will tune you out if you're not authentic. Yeah, absolutely. People pick up on that no matter who they are. You mm-hmm. know, so it's not like, and we've all experienced that in the yeah. workplace or in organizations. You know, the the <laughs> I will I won't delve into my previous career, but I saw that all the time, all the time. People tune out if it's not authentic. So same thing with the candidates or any of us, actually, right? So we are here as producers, but I know that if we weren't if we weren't speaking our truth people would not be listening. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have the opportunities we have as they open up because this is purely a passion play for both oh, of us. Oh yeah, we're not making money doing this. Right, yeah. so so as we do this and we're passionate about it, it's interesting to me to observe how everything just kind of opens up for it, right? Mm-hmm. We have this platform, we've got people who are really intrigued by the content. So my point is that if you're not authentic as a leader, as a politician, as anybody who wants to do good for people, uh, you're not going to really have really any impact over time. Mm-hmm. You're just going to get frustrated, mm-hmm. resort to alcohol, drugs, this and that, and all kinds of other coping mechanisms. Yeah. So I um, now I don't think everybody needs to just not drink like I do, but I do think that um, you know people. We need to kind of recognize that as you get older, your body doesn't need that alcohol. No. Your mind doesn't need it. So what is this all about? It, it, it comes becomes harder for your body to process it. Yes. Too, yes. As you get and older. So a lot of people, you know, start having, they're seeing more higher rises in um, heart attacks mm-hmm. right now because people who, as they turn 40, don't still continue to drink and party like they did when they were 30. <laughs> and there, so I have friends who That's where doctors. I was. It wasn't working after a while. I was like, hey. Yeah, right? Uh, it catches you by surprise. Aging is a whole another uh, conversation around this. But so it's great yeah. that you are in this position. I think you are wonderfully placed to make a huge impact on a large group of people. I love the mission. Yeah. I think you're, you're, you're doing great work. 
Yeah, well, I'm not there yet. The election is November. If you like what you're hearing, you got to come out and vote in November. Uh, we got to get there. Uh, but it is, a, and, I, and I'll tell you something that if it was not the for the concepts that that Aparna is talking about, um, you, to even undertake something like I'm doing right now, you have to really work on staying. Um, centered spiritually you yes. have to yeah. because the i don't care how dedicated you are i don't care how focused you are uh running for an office will will take it out of you spiritually emotionally physically it it, it just does Absolutely. and you have to work you're harder. always in the limelight and mm-hmm. people always have different opinions so uh, you're attacked constantly yeah so yeah. i think and having a personal practice in any field i think should be a meditation practice mm-hmm. should be very front and center for all of us so mm-hmm. thank you so much for being thank here you. mike and uh i want to close out today's show thank you all for being here you are listening to WERA 96.7 FM and uh, you're listening to Mindful Nation Radio I'm your host Aparna until next time we will see you soon have a great weekend that was my interview with Aparna Sane and I want to thank you again for listening to our conversation about the role of government and how we can help end the, the stigma of addiction and put together policies that can help with ending just this horrible pandemic that we have attacking this nation. And if we don't get a handle on it, it's really going to be devastating to our country as a whole. And if you think about addiction and people being in treatment and people dying from overdoses, it gets worse every month, every year, and there's no end in sight. And we do need to have leaders in office that are equipped prepared and willing to do something about this so get involved you know definitely get involved in politics get involved in electing leaders that are going to do something about this and along with talking about the policies that we could put in place in the government we just gave you some practical information that can help you if you are somebody that's struggling with addiction or if you know somebody that's struggling with addiction and please spread this information far and wide because there's so many people that can benefit and we need them to do that and you know we really just appreciate you listening to us and a part of the show is called mindful nation it's on tuesdays and fridays every week at 10 a.m on wera 96.7 here in arlington virginia And so with that, guys, this episode of Recovery is Possible was brought to you by Retreat Behavioral Health, where there are endless possibilities for recovery. Retreat provides quality care at their leading mental health and substance use treatment centers, which are designed to offer patients truly personalized and comprehensive programs that are tailored to their needs. Retreat Substance Use and Mental Health Treatment Centers in Palm Beach County, Florida, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and New Haven, Connecticut do everything in their power to ensure that patients receive the highest quality treatment in a safe and comfortable setting. So reach out today at retreatbehavioralhealth.com or call at 855-802-6600 for more information. And folks, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, all the social media platforms. Please, again, spread this information far and wide because recovery is possible. And we'll see you next time. This is Mike Van Meter. Take care. Bye. Bye.